Welcome back to Mortgage Genomics Canada. I'm your host, Marco Gello. I'm a duly licensed mortgage broker in Alberta and BC. If you are from either of these provinces and require any mortgage-related services, please do not hesitate to contact me. Call or text me right now at 604-800-9593. 604-800-9593. This podcast is based on a weekly newsletter that I send out to mainly real estate professionals, accountants, lawyers, and other centers of influence. The newsletter is called The Mortgage Broker Playbook for Real Estate Professionals. And if you want in on the newsletter, simply send me a text or an email and I'll put you on the newsletter list. But if you need a mortgage right now or in the near future, who gives a crap about the newsletter and connect with me immediately? Text or email me right now, 604-800-9593. One application, one credit check, and access to Canada's top lenders. All right, we got a or I gotta, like, I don't have, there's no we here, there's no production team, it's just me, this is a solo podcast, yes, that's what I should start calling it, a solo, solo cast, um, yeah, I got a doozy for you here today, a doozy, and, um, yeah, just a heads up, newsflash, because there are, uh, a lot of subscribers to this podcast from around the world, because I, I have these, uh, metrics, and it tells me, it's pretty cool, um, so for Canadians that are listening or anyone that's uh, planning to travel um, and arrive to Canada, probably mostly Canadians, you know, returning home or whatever, um, just an announcement this morning from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau uh, says his government's new quarantine and testing measures for travelers are arriving who are arriving in Canada take effect February 22nd. So that's Monday, February 22nd. As previously announced, travelers will have to pay the cost of a 72-hour hotel stay and a COVID-19 test. More details on how that will work will come later today. I guess it's, you know, maybe he's going to have lunch right now because he just made the announcement at 9. So 9 a.m. Pacific time. So that's three hours in Ottawa. Yeah, that's lunchtime. So he probably cut the press conference short to go have some lunch and then um, get schooled on what to do next. So, yeah, there'll be uh, another announcement there. So heads up, people, um, for those of you coming back to this uh, amazing country, heads up. You know, maybe you were planning on staying in a hotel for 72 hours anyways, but uh, you have to now. All right. Um, Super Bowl, I, I nailed that. Uh, that's all I'm going to talk about with the Super Bowl last, last week's game. The most important part is that I predicted it would be a lopsided victory for uh, Tampa Bay. And of course, if you're watching, that's what happens. So yeah, pat on the back, the applause. I can I can hear the applause. I can feel the pat on the back. Thank you, thank you. Um, okay, real estate. I, I just uh, you know preparing for this yesterday, this this episode. Um, I was looking at the rate sheets in this time last year. Okay, uh, around mid February, the five year fixed rate. This was just before you know. The madness, the pre-George Orwell days era, right? Five-year fix was at 3.59% this time last year. Prime rate was at 3.95% this time last year. And the qualifying rate for a mortgage was 5.34% this time last year. So 3.59 for the five-year fix. Today, it's 1.59%. Prime rate was 3.95. Today, it's 2.45. And the qualifying rate for a mortgage, 5.34 last year. This time, it's today, it's 4.79. So incredible um, deviation or, um, you know, change where, where we were this time last year. 
uh, we'll, we'll see how that carries through going forward. Um, bond yields on the topic of interest rates here. So uh, bond yields rose from the period of January 9th till 12th. And, and what does this matter? Why am I talking about bond yields? Because bond yields correspond with um, with mortgage rates. Sorry, I'm just thinking, kind of laughing at myself because uh, when you have a solo cast like I'm doing, like a one-man podcast show, you talk to yourself, right? You ask the questions and then you answer them. And that's just what I did. I'm like, bond yields rose January 9th to 12th. Why, why do you want to know about bond yields, Marco? Well, because bond yields correlate with mortgage rates. So if bond yields go up, mortgage rates go up. So from January 9th till February 12th, the bond yields have been on a slight little uptick and not a massive one. It's been a seven basis point increase from January 9th to January, uh, February 12th. But it's been an upward trend nonetheless. And uh, it's yet to be seen if this is declared a trend. Typically, we look for a three to five day period of, you know, pretty consistent increase in the bond yields. And that could be a, a predictor, uh, a forecast of what's to come very quick. And that would be an interest rate increase. Okay, so just heads up there. We got a little bit of a uh, upward trending of the bond yields. Um, so just uh, keep you posted on that. Keep coming back Fridays and uh, re- and, and check into the podcast here. And I'm, I'm going to continuously keep you updated on that front. So heads up. Um, more and more on the real estate side here, more and more competing offers, uh, applicants going in with no conditions. So stressful. Um, and this got me thinking, like, what are we doing about it? What, what are we doing about just the, the real estate market here what attempts um are we or 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 efforts are we throwing towards um you know what we can do to curtail this increase that is upon us and i think we've exhausted the demand side of the equation you know over the years over the past five six seven eight years uh we've been manipulating the tax policies at all government levels Okay, so there's, you know, various tax penalties with foreign buyers, empty home tax, property transfer tax, and uh, countless other things to discourage foreigners from, you know, buying up the property. And, uh, of course, you know, that, that's been the ongoing theory, but we've, uh, that hasn't uh, helped. And, and I, my theory, long story short, I'm not going to get into detail, but we have to talk about the supply side. And uh, we got to exhaust the supply side. And um, my, my theory on it, I, I come from a construction developer background. Uh, that's what I was born and, and raised in. And I, my first jobs were in that industry. We got to let people like on a mass scale, um, allow them to convert their, 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 you know, their home on a 50 foot lot, tear it down, build a duplex, bring some more inventory into this, uh, into this environment. Uh, that, that's one thing that we haven't done at a grand scale. And uh, it, it's pretty shameful. And I think a lot of it is, is political and bureaucracy, all the crap people have to go through to get a development permit. Uh, never mind the effort involved, but the cost. And, and no one talks about the impact of of all the tax penalties that are introduced right now, um, all the, the taxation that's worked into 
the, the price of real estate and also the cost of development. And this is this alone is a massive premium on the cost of real estate. And no one's talking about that. And it's kind of like you, when you go and fill up your, your car at a gas station, no one, no one is talking about as well the, all the taxation that is involved in the price of gas. And uh, yeah, a lot of politic BS and uh, bureaucracy. That, that would help. We, we need to overcome that. And we, that's one way we need to introduce inventory into the market. Yeah, and that means increasing densification in places like Vancouver and Toronto and, and probably Calgary at one point down the road. Um, but yeah, there's, there's just all this politics, bureaucracy and nimbyism, not in my backyard movement. Um, yeah, that's taken its toll. And, and that's part of the, uh, the, the big, big problem. Prices will continue to increase. Yeah, and yeah, there's going to be some up and down ticks here and there. But um, yeah, as long as we don't address that supply side, I, I think we're screwed. Screwed from the perspective of if you're a home buyer looking to buy a property in Vancouver and your parents are not on the property ladder to help you with the down payment, yeah, you're screwed. Wow. Thanks for that incredible insight, Marco. Anyhow, let's, uh, let's move on here. That was just coming from every direction there. Um, take what you will from there. Those are my thoughts. Uh, the term first-time home buyer, it's getting thrown around quite often these days and uh, and it always has been, and it's tagged in countless incentive-based programs and policies. And uh, in the future, I should probably dedicate an entire episode to the various first-time homebuyer privileges and programs, and I'll, I'll do that for sure one day. Yeah, right. Uh, but today I'm going to talk about one of these programs in particular, and that is the RRSP Homebuyer Plan. So let's begin and discuss this week's newsletter titled, Things You Probably Didn't Know About the RRSP First-Time Homebuyer Plan. Okay, let's first define the actual program itself, the RRSP Home Buyer Plan. What is it? Um, the RSP Home Buyer Plan, also known as HBP, is a program that allows you to withdraw funds from your registered retirement savings plans, okay, your RSP, to buy or build a home for yourself or for a related person with a disability. And the reason why this is a big deal is because the RSP is an investment vehicle um, where most Canadians, you know, overwhelming majority of Canadians probably, park their investments. And you might ask, okay, well, what's a big deal? Why is it the RSP plan? Why isn't it the TFSA plan? Okay, so um, it's the RSP plan because, okay, there's three vehicles to that, that Canadians uh, invest their money or hold their investments in. And the, the most popular one being the RSP, which as your money grows in there, um, in, it's 100% taxable. So you get the tax deduction up front. That's why millions of Canadians choose this vehicle. They get the tax deduction up front when they buy RSPs. But when they access the RSPs, it's 100% taxable. Okay. Um, then there's the TFSA. The TFSA you uh, put your investments in a TFSA, you do not get a tax deduction. Okay, so less people buy that. But it's a pretty damn smart vehicle because as that accumulates and grows, you can access, you can pull out your TFSA money and you'll pay Zippo tax on it. Zero. Okay. And then the third vehicle is the capital gains vehicle. So 
you can purchase that. Let's say you buy a share of Apple stock. Okay, you can buy that same share and it'll have the same value, but you can choose to buy that share stock in one of three vehicles. You can buy it in the RSP vehicle, you can buy it in the TFSA vehicle, or you can buy it in the capital gains non-registered vehicle. Okay, so RSP, it's 100% taxation on the proceeds. TFSA is 0% taxation on the proceeds. And capital gains investments, kind of the best of both worlds. So it's you get taxed on 50% of the gain, okay, at your marginal tax rate. So anyhow, that's why the RSP Home Buyer Plan is a popular program because it allows um, people to use their RSP funds to purchase real estate, you know, as long as they're purchasing real estate with it, and there's some conditions that I'll talk about pertaining to that real estate purchase, as long as you use those funds to purchase real estate, you, they, you won't be charged the tax for a period of time, okay? So um, let's get into that. Hey, this is the other Marco here. Um, just uh, I mentioned the word tax and investments and RSP and all that stuff. Uh, about 7,000 times in the last minute here. So just a full disclosure here, I'm not an uh, investment advisor and I'm not an accountant. So um, take that information just as, you know, just mild content. So follow up with your accountant and your financial planner. Here are the three major features of the RSP Home Buyer Plan. Okay, so first of all, you can access up to $35,000 of RSP funds for the purchase of a home. And you can do it from various funds. So if you have, you know, a couple of different portfolio, RSP portfolios, you can take five grand from this one, 10 grand from that one, and three grand, whatever. Okay, so as long as it's RSP, you're eligible. Okay, the other major feature is once you have these funds and you, you purchase your property, you know, people use it as a down payment. And once the deal closes, you have 15 years to pay back the RSPs. Okay. Which leads to my next point. Why would you want to pay back the RSPs? They're your investment funds, right? That's your money. Well, if you don't pay it back within 15 years, something like on the 15th year or yeah, that January of that year, whatever the specific conditions are, if you haven't paid it back, it will then be declared as income in that taxation year. And as I mentioned before, the RSP proceeds are 100% taxable. So you could get an unexpected uh, tax bill in the 15th year if you haven't paid back that RSP loan, okay? So those are the three major features you need to be aware of. Uh, up to $35,000, you have 15 years to pay it back. And if you don't pay it back in 15 years, it's going to be declared as income and you'll get a pretty big tax bill. Depending on, of course, what marginal tax bracket you're in, it could be big, bigger, or massive, right? So be aware of those. Eligibility criteria for the RSP home buyer plan. Okay, criteria number one, you must be considered a first-time home buyer. Okay, and we'll get more around the definition of a first-time home buyer because it's pretty tricky. I'll give you a hint. The term first-time isn't necessarily first-time. But you must be considered a first-time home buyer. Criteria number two, you must provide evidence of a written agreement that details the purchase of the home. Okay, so obviously you need some proof that you're you're accessing these RSPs to purchase a property, okay? Not a brand new car. Criteria number three, you must be a resident of Canada, okay? And again, um, go into the notes, the episode notes of this, and I have a link 
that you can click and see the residency status guidelines uh, and, and how what what is defined as a resident of Canada as per the RSP homebuyer plan. So check that out. Criteria number four, you must intend to occupy the property as your principal residence within one year after buying or building it. Okay, so this can't be a rental property. It has to be principal residence. Can I qualify for the RSP homebuyer plan twice? So this is uh, something that a lot of people aren't aware of, but the answer is yes. As long as you satisfy the following conditions, you can qualify for the RSP homebuyer plan twice. So here's uh, the first condition. Your previous RSP homebuyer plan loan must be paid in full and have a $0 balance on January 1st of the year of your new withdrawal or your new application for the home buyer plan, okay? And the other condition is you can, once again, be considered a first-time home buyer if in the four-year period you did not occupy a home that you owned or one that your current spouse or common-law partner owned. Okay, so the four-year period means the four years prior to a home purchase. So the period begins on January 1st of the fourth year before the year you withdraw funds from your RSP. And it ends 31 days before the date you withdraw funds. All right, that's all I got for today. Call or text me anytime if you have any mortgage questions at all, especially if you are in Alberta or British Columbia, as I am licensed to service these specific provinces, and especially if you are from Calgary or Vancouver, as I am very familiar with these markets. Call or text me at 604-800-9593, or you can visit my website at homefinancingsolutions.ca. Thank you again for tuning in to Mortgageonomics Canada. Stay well, everyone. Talk again soon. (music) 